0: welcome to Bills Fan podcast if you don't already please subscribe to us on itunes citra radio google play anywhere you find your podcast don't forget numbillstand.com has all of our content Welcome to Num Bills Fan Podcast for episode number 131. I am your host, David Palermo. Find um, me on Twitter, NumBillsFan Fan, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, as you heard in the intro. And also, if you want to shoot me an email, have some long form conversation, Dave at numbillsfan.com is my email address also my personal stuff is david j palermo i'm up on facebook and instagram as well and you can see my life if you care that much um so day 14 of buffalo bills training camp wrapped up i happen to be on the sidelines it is tuesday got to see some things in the works and um yesterday you know things were pretty intense at practice and uh sean mcdermott call the stop to it and you know we'll talk about that with kevin masseri from Lockdown bills podcast and cover one.net in a minute he will be coming on so don't forget we're brought to you by grandstand sports network numb bills fan podcast is a part of grandstand sports network uh, check them out grandstandsportsnetwork.com great podcasts all the way around great shows and It's really a good opportunity to listen to new things, I think, because everybody on there is just quality content and very consistent and passionate about what they do. And a lot of people aren't just hanging at the low, not just hanging at the, you know, at the bit to just get something cheap out there. So it's nice to be a part of people who work hard. They look at an opportunity to be on the field as well with covering the bills. Like you got Drew from Rock Pile Report. Kevin's been out there um a couple other people so it's really nice to see even other podcasts from across the land that have nothing to do with the bills do their thing as well so follow all the lockdown podcasts as well eric turner and kevin Masary and nate gear they do lockdown bills it's a great podcast so again PunchdrunkSports.com brought to you by them three comedians who are regular comedians at the la comedy store touring all of them's out ari shafir jason tebow Sam tripoli Ari Shafir has a special out on Netflix called Double Negative. So check that out. Sam Tripoli has a comedy album out. I believe it's called The Diabolical. Also has a new podcast called the Tinfoil Hat. Check that out. Conspiracy Theory thing. And Jason Tebow is a great follow, Atlanta Falcons fan. And um uh, hoping to get him on to talk about uh the Shanahan offense, which is, you know, as you know, our the Bills offense coordinator, Rick Dennison, has come from that tree underneath Kubiak, who was obviously a backup quarterback to John Elway and played in the Shanahan system. So there you go. Um, hoping hoping to get in contact with him again soon, So, or reach out, I should say. So that said, numbillsfan.com has all the content up. Check that out. And right now I'm about to call Kevin Masseri. All right, so we have Kevin Masseri on the line, K-E-V-I-N-M-A-S-S-A-R-E, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, from CoverOne.net, a.k.a. Uh, their podcast, Lockdown Bills. Hi, Kevin.
1: How you doing, Dave?
0: I'm good. You sound great.
1: Thank you. I am so pumped to be able to use my Yeti mic through this. It's phenomenal.
0: So are you pumped that the Bills traded away Sammy Watkins and Ronald Darby?
1: I actually am on record saying that I hated the Sammy Watkins trade. Um, I thought it was giving up on him. To fetch a second-round pick at this point into preseason is a good return on someone that you may not be able to sign. So I am okay with that. And picking up a potential top three to four cornerback with, Watkins, or with the pick for Watkins um, does soften the blow for me a little bit. Um, But I actually was a fan of the Ronald Darby trade by all accounts. He didn't buy into the system. He wasn't um, giving his all Um, didn't like the defensive scheme and to retrieve Jordan Matthews in a third. I actually thought we won that deal. Um, So I'm actually okay with that side of it. If that's the case and in meetings, he wasn't buying in.
0: Really? Um, Where Where did that come from?
1: Um, I th- I I thought it was a report coming out from. I'd have to find out what the initial source of that. Uh, I don't not know put that you was... on the
0: spot, dogs are. No, that, no,
1: but... I I don't know. I just don't know where it, where it, where it stemmed from. I don't know if that was from an interview in Philly or where that actually came from. But by all accounts, actually, he's Philly's number one corner. Um, and he's supposed to track and follow. Um. The number one uh, wide receivers. So it'll be interesting to see how he puts up with that. He didn't do a great job at that yesterday or last year. And um, it'll be interesting to see him take that true number one cornerback role. But I do think with Jordan Matthews, who is a bona fide number two receiver to me in the NFL and a third round pick, I do think we fetched what the proper uh, compensation was there. So that definitely wasn't a sell now move. Um, that was a get better a little bit with that trade and, and, and retrieve an asset of a future for a third-round pick So uh the Sammy Watkins deal was a little bit more iffy to me It's tough to trade away a talent that you know You traded two first-round picks for what I what I was on board with that was okay to me Um, But to retrieve only a second that's hard. It's hard to stomach Dave
0: uh, I'll be honest uh you know, the last podcast I had my buddy Tom on for the first time, who's the reason we started a podcast. So if you want immediate reaction, refer back to podcast number 130. Um, and it was kind of ironic because when that trade happened, Kevin, we talked to each other immediately. Dude came to my house. and just checked some things out for me. I got my kitchen remodeled, being remodeled. And um, I was like, dude, just hop on the mic. Let's talk about this. We're in traffic. And he called me. Did you hear about the trade? I was like, what are you talking about? I thought he was kidding. And uh, then he had to leave to go measure a job. And then he called me on the way like 10 minutes later. And him and I both digested it. And we were like, calm down. And we're like, you know, this isn't a bad deal. And really, Sammy Watkins, how are you going to afford Sammy Watkins, Tyrod Taylor if he balls, and you get a first-round quarterback? I mean, the Bills are clearly getting a quarterback and and I'm on record for always saying they're not and and it's just that's what the Pagoulas want to do I don't know who's in their ear or whatever because a lot of these quarterbacks they fail they get rushed in and this team needs to clearly make the playoffs just to get the idiots to just buy in to support the team and it's a hell of a monkey on the back I don't blame the fans for hating the drought it absolutely sucks but if you don't support the team, it's going to be a little bit hard to get past the drought. So it's like, you know, getting rid of a guy like Sammy Watkins, a lot of people are, are, are like, wait, what? You had Kyle Williams come back. You got me it is already on record for crying that I have three season tickets. You know, like, come on. Like, what are we doing is initially what you think. But then you think, wait, Ronald Darby was a second round pick. You're getting a third for him you got to use them and you're getting jordan matthews who is six foot three he is a big body and last i checked peyton manning was throwing wounded ducks to big bodies in denver and i am not complaining about it because not for nothing i don't want to live and die on the deep ball and every time that somebody talks in the draft that we just need a receiver that's open when he's out, not open you know what i mean I say, no, I don't know what you mean, because I will take a guy who's in the right spot at the right time, then gambling on some play action when you can't set your feet and bound the ball downfield as well. As far as I'm concerned, like, it's like, I want high probability plays. That's what right. I want in an offense. And, you know, I remember working on my crib during the season, watching Trevor Simeon, I think game two, and... It was the Broncos against somebody else, and freaking Sims was just, oh, I've known about this guy, man. Let me tell you. And it's like, okay, no, he didn't. And Seaman was good doing, like, whatever he was doing to a point where he's getting national publicity to a point where, wow, the Bills should trade for him since they got Denison now. Yada, 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 yada. But it's, damn, it's the system. It's the system. Yep. It's throwing between yeah, the system between is quarterback-friendly. Yes. It's,
1: it's quarterback-friendly, Dave, and you'll see guys like Trevor Simeon, and to me, Nathan Peterman's uh, another example of, of a player like Simeon.
0: Perfect example.
1: Later-round draft pick that's going to excel into a Denison scheme with an anticipatory throw. Um, you'll see that a lot in a West Coast offense, and uh, especially with the draft choice of Nathan Peterman, who to me was a third-round pick. Yeah. Um, to be able to grab him in the fifth and potentially take the second quarterback job and and, and make TJ Yates cuttable, um, I think that that's a big win out of training camp. One of one of the, one of the biggest notes I, I predicted that uh, well, right when we drafted him through OTAs, I, I really did think Peterman would take it over. He, he struggled a tiny bit out of camp right off the bat, but uh, by the first preseason game, he he got his bearings and we started to see that. And I don't think he'll let go of that second quarterback job. Um, at his price point, you know he's only making about five hundred thousand dollars a year, six hundred thousand um, dollars. That makes TJ Yates cuttable, and also opens up a roster spot. I don't, I don't. Really and and a I'll roster. be,
0: I'll be honest, man. I was a little bit pissed off. I said the last podcast, we got about rid what? of Cardale Jones to to watch TJ Yates play football, and I mean that in the most positive way. I'm not going to take a shit on TJ yep. Yates because I have been a supporter. Thought it was a very smart move, but damn, dude, lights are on in a preseason game, and you're just not doing it. Protection, call it whatever it is. I don't care because Nate Peterman gets in there. Well, it's only 13 reps, along with 13 offensive linemen, along with guys who don't get many reps. You're right. And he's still getting the ball out quick. And as McDermott said, he's starting game two with the second team. So,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm stoked on that. And McDermott said that for the presser today, by the way.
1: Yeah, one thing also. Dave to take note of was the fact that they made that trade, like you just mentioned um, with the thought of mind of having three quarterbacks to give more reps to Um, and Yates, like you just said, did not run with that ability. He, was basically given the second quarterback job to keep, um, and he was unable to do so. So, you know, he was probably one of my least valuable players of camp. I would put him right at the top of someone that did not run with the opportunity he was given. Um, and one of my closest friends and, and potential podcast uh, partners from the past, Jason Shannon, we were just talking about this at the preseason game one when we were there, um, how disappointed he was with the, you know, trading uh, Cardell Jones for essentially next year, seventh round pick mm-hmm. Um how could he be worse than TJ Yates today? Should have made the move to cut Yates and, and keep Cardell as, you know, kind of competition to to uh Peterman and, and have him on the roster. Um so it is disappointing you make that trade with Cardell, figuring that Yates is a solid backup quarterback in this league and Peterman's your development guy. Well, you got what you were looking for out of your development guy so far and and, and, and even more so he's gonna take that number two. So I think with Peterman playing so well. That really softens the blow of having a guy like Yates, uh, not really run with his opportunity. So um, I think it makes Yates cuttable. I, I think the kind of th- all of the things are kind of independent of each other. Um, if Peterman took and ran with the quarterback two job, it makes it easier because now we don't have to th- keep three quarterbacks. You can have Yates sitting out there in, in free agency. If someone signs him, God bless you. If not, um, you know he's kind of there. If we need an emergency quarterback situation.
0: Now, one thing I wanted to bring up, which could actually lead me into another point on why to keep Cardell Jones is um, the, the Bills got these picks. And what people are not saying, which I'm going to say here first, is you have, again, two first-round picks for next year, two second-round picks, and two third-round picks. You're losing a sixth-round pick. Now, what's rad is the Bills have never been in a position where, hey, we're on the cusp, we think, of making the playoffs here, and we need a run, and X player X went down, and there's this player on said roster before the trade deadline. Let's shoot one of those picks over for him, and it might work out. And people, I don't think the Bills are necessarily done making moves. I really don't. And after game two, we'll definitely be able to tell what they want to do. Um, I think the systems are very friendly to, to the players to pick up. Um, conceptually, it just seems simpler. I don't know why I assume that, but... It just seems like these guys can just do their thing defensively, especially. And um, I'm kind of thinking it over. I don't think it's really that much of a shock that Cardale Jones is cut. But I will say like, it shows you what football is in shorts when TJ Yates looks like he he just was not good. And It's really disappointing because you talk about keeping players and keeping picks. Well, you're giving guys away for nothing, you know? And that's a third-round pick from last year gone. It just doesn't really add up that you're just going to give away players when everything is based off of potential. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. T.J. Yates is any other quarterback. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're right. It, it, his I his think, preseason I
0: think performance on- showed that T.J. Yates is... Any, like, that last game showed me that he's very replaceable.
1: I think without the potential asset that they were going to gain, they knew the likelihood of Cardale beating out Yates and Peterman were very was very unlikely, so they figured... Before we cut this guy in September, we may as well take a 7th with a condition, I believe. I don't know how that condition works. It could be higher, but it's at least a 7th next year. They said, you know what, that's another asset we can throw in the pool for a guy that's going to be looking like he's going to get caught. I think they just same similar on a very, very small level, the same thing they did with Sammy Watkins next year. They weren't sure if they could sign ability. They keep using the word signability. Like, that's a word. Um, they use that like... The same way with Cardell in a real lesser extent, like, hey, I don't think this guy's making the team. Let's take this asset now while Anthony Lynn likes him. And the guy threw two for nine and looked awful. Um, Can he get better on that? Yeah, I mean... Um I, I don't think there's anywhere to go but up for Cardell, but going two for nine and against the threes when he's playing against threes. Right.
0: Um and we just saw it, Peterman, like you said, you know what I mean?
1: And we just saw Peterman. So to me, I I I I don't I don't care about Cardell Jones. I I think you take an asset all day when you can take it. It was he was drafted by a different regime. Um It
0: just doesn't add up when right. you talk about getting better for tomorrow and all this crap and remaining good for today. And you're on this this putting out flames thing right now. You're gonna have to put out fires. So it's definitely a plan. So well, how do we put the fire out? You don't just come up with this overnight. Like no damn way. They've had to have had a month to figure out how to soften a blow. And um, you know, obviously none of the players mentioned it. And Duffy there at WCMF, he even had a great tweet that, hey, you know what's amazing about this these trades is nobody knew about it outside the building. Like like nothing. Like nobody knew about it. And yeah, absolutely, and you're right.
1: Mm-hmm. It, it it is a different regime to say, oh, just right out of the blue at one o'clock on a on a Friday that you know these these trades broke um, without any inclination, not even a couple hour notice. Um, I and, and I was was on the record saying I thought that even a a small little leak, even to national media guys, could have helped soften the blow where people were kind of talking about the trades and waiting to see what compensation would be. But the way those two trades came down at the same time, at the same exact moment, right after the Ezekiel Elliott suspension, it was just. It was awestruck, man. It was just kind of like, here's a bunch of news uh, all at once. No leaks. You have to kind of digest it all over the course of the day. And it was one of the wildest experiences I've had as uh, reporting on the Bills to date.
0: Yeah, that was absolutely nuts. I couldn't believe it. Um, So schematically, I think Jordan Matthews is a great fit. Uh, I'm very, 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 very stoked. I just think that having big guys is good because these guys are all willing to block. These guys are pros. And I don't know what you think. With Sammy Watkins on the damn field, Kevin, I thought he was, I thought Anquan Bolden was better in every right. aspect. I feel like Anquan Bolden is just a fucking professional, man. He is just like in the right spot at the right time. Ball gets thrown his way. I have not seen him drop a ball. I have not seen him drop a ball. And it's just like the way he moves, the size of him is enormous. Some, somebody said, oh, he looks heavy. I Whatever. Get to the right spot on time. I don't care if if he's a sumo. Is he going to catch it? Like, can he still get yak yards? Yup. Okay. Well, that dude lives and breathes over the middle. And that that guy can do anything. He's played in this league too long. You know what I mean? He's, come on, man. The amount of targets that that Anquan Bolden would get on a heavier load, quote-unquote, a heavier load in Bill's terms, compared to what he got on Detroit would probably be the same amount of targets when you got a running back like LaShawn McCoy. So I expect him to get the same amount of targets out there this year with Sammy gone, maybe a little bit more than when you play for Detroit who throws the ball all the time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And here they traded for a guy that, that is a scheme fit as you've mentioned. Um, now they have three of them and Bolden. They chose, They chose Zay Jones in the draft, so they have their veteran in their draft, and they have their younger um, guy, who's Jordan Matthews, who they've also chosen to fit the scheme. They have three players now. Wide receiving core is vastly different than the last, you know, call it five years. Um, I do think this is the most all-around wide – I will be on record saying this is the most all-around wide receiving core we've had in a while. It is missing the top-end talent in a guy like uh, Sammy Watkins and and a really good number two in in Robert Woods, but – between Marquise Goodwin and Justin Hunter and Walt Powell and guys that just weren't able, Walt Powell and Brandon Tate, who we still have. So really you're just losing uh, Marquise Goodwin, uh, Robert Woods, and Sammy Watkins. So you lose those three. However, between how much they were all off the field, all three of them collectively, and Goodwin, you know, is not arguably might not even be number three in the first place. Um, You're gaining three guys who are, you know, consistently always on the field, their catches machines, their scheme fits that you don't need to, 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 play a certain scheme to fit their style they are they fit your scheme um so you have a dual um, purpose there so with this kind of wide receiving core and then you throw in some of the backer end talent that's probably better than um what we had last year so you still have your wall powell and brandon tates but now you're adding in guys like rod streeter andre holmes you're adding in philly brown you're adding in keel shorts these guys are all better than anything we had at points throughout the year last year and then you still have your 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 powell and your and your tate so you're looking at a Six or seven, eight man got uh, potential. Dekeel Short was another great player who, just like Eddie Yarborough and just like um, uh, uh, Shamil Gary, you know, you you have guys that have played out in, in training camp that you might not want to cut now. So you have a really deep wide receiving core. It's deeper than usual. Um, to have that depth, though, we did sacrifice a little bit on the top end talent. But these Bills team have been very top heavy for many many years. And look at what that got us. You know, seven and nine, eight and eight. Um, so to to remove some of that top heaviness to add into some of that depth, um, you have a little bit of depth on the D line, you have a little bit of depth of the wide receiving core. Um, same thing. They built cornerback the same way. You don't have that high-end talent, but you do have three or four number two cornerbacks, three or four number two and three cornerbacks, um, with Sharice Wright, EJ Gaines, um, you know, Trey White. We'll call him a number two at this point in his career um, until he proves he's that number one, you know. But still, you have a bunch of talented, and Kevon Seymour. You have uh, Greg Maybin, an undrafted free agent, another training camp all-star who's played really well. So you have a lot of undrafted free agents who have played really well for these uh, under these these schemes. Um, and you you know linebackers on another place where so you have a lot of depth, and missing that top end talent still. So you, you have a lot. You can see where this roster was built. They took a couple of high end players that they've had in years past. I you know Ie Sammy Watkins, Robert Woods, um, you know a couple of the, the higher end talent pieces, and they've leveraged that to build a deeper roster that might not be as top-heavy. So, you know, if you faced uh, an injury at the outside linebacker spot and you have to play Matt Milano or someone like that for Ramon Humber or whatever, you don't lose much there, Dave. So I don't know what your opinions are, but a lot of Um, people have been so upset about the depth of this team for so long that I think they took some of that top-heaviness away and added in some depth, some players that you don't lose too much by playing.
0: Now, I'm guilty of coming up with like fantasy conspiracy theories like uh, to rip on myself. Oh, Rex Ryan just got this defense that you guys haven't even seen yet. He's just way cutting edge, but you really can't say I'm right. There's not enough time to teach that defense, and people are so entitled, I doubt they're going to do the work on their own away from it. You know what I mean? In that coaching style, you're not going to learn that. So my theories are kind of wrong, but I almost wonder if the Bills' new regime here has a new metric of durability and analytical kind of content here analytics thing as i sound stupid um you know there's got to be some kind of data i think they have where it's like okay you look at jordan matthews and it could be just straight up common sense here which is this who is on the field and i really think The more I get to learn about injuries and nutrition and trying things out myself with like what I eat during the day before I play hockey, little things, um, water content, you know, uh, it's like, I I almost wonder if there's just certain guys that just prepare their bodies better than others. It's a fact, but I, I really think it plays a prominent role because in hindsight, in hindsight, I was one like, Oh, get off his back get off his back. Sammy Watkins walking at Disney World was absolutely stupid after you have foot surgery in hindsight. Because no wonder your screw maybe came loose, dude. Right? So what I'm trying to say here is I think there's players who are a lot smarter than other players and take care of their bodies a lot better. And Jordan Matthews has been on the damn field consistently. That says something about him. I understand that Sammy's walking Watkins injury. Absolutely sucked. It is an injury in every podcast before this one at 131. I've given him the benefit of the doubt. I still will. He's a player. Um, I don't have the injury, but I will say it is, in sports logic, awful fucking timing because there's nothing that he can do about that injury and the amount of time he stayed off the field. But there's other ways and, and hints to get that maybe he wasn't always. The brightest person when it came to his body. If you're hearing things from Tyrod talking about Nutrition, y'all, Yo, you know, this year he's definitely like stepping up on what he's on his work and and it's like, whoa, what? Uh, and, and these kids come in with these super unreal expectations, two first round picks. You know, he just doesn't know, you know, and I can't get mad at him. But I think that like these, these guys in a new regime really, in a roundabout way to get to it, they really look at who's on the field, who has been on the field in their career consistently. And that's where they want to put their eggs. They want to put their eggs in the Anquan Bolden basket. They want to put their eggs into guys who have done it consistently. And and what I wonder is this: is like, what if, what if Sammy Watkins is known as not? What if, what if he's not as hard of a worker as we think? I saw him working his ass off, but I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. Maybe he's just not as smart as other guys. The Bills must know something to get rid of that quote-unquote top-end talent. But like I said, if he's only available for eight games, I'm sure he's going to play 16 this year because it's the Bills' luck. That's what's going to happen. I re- the narrative nationally is going to be like, how the hell do the Bills let Woods and Watkins go? Can you believe Jeff Goff? Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like That could be the narrative that we're used to in Bills' well, land.
1: Jared Goff just threw, I think I saw three to five picks today in practice. So him having his a billion dollar wide receiving core with Tavon Austin, Robert Woods, and Sammy Watkins. Um, man, that team's gonna struggle. So I don't he may stay healthy because he's not gonna get any as many targets. I, I don't know what's gonna happen there in that system. They're already unable to run the ball even though they have Todd Gurley. I that's just not a very good team. Jared Goff is just he, he had a terrible rookie year. He needs to make great stops and everyone says well Peyton Manning had a bad rookie year, but man, he just doesn't I'm have too, a Peyton Manning
0: has. Do you get what I'm saying, though? No, I think there's a durability. I think the team really looks at who's on the field. Durability the and ends. signability. Exactly. Right. Yep. That's who they're yep. going to put on the field. And, yep. and, Absolutely. and and Jordan Matthews is a very high probable in two areas. Catching the ball, being in the right spot at the right time with, oh, by the way, multiple quarterbacks, and, oh, by the way, being on the field. Okay? I can't tell you how many times I've seen Bills receivers where there's some mixed communication. I'm not going to label anybody, but we talked about them about a minute ago. Right. You know, and it's like, oh, my bad. Well, bro, no, not my bad. You're better than that. Not my bad. No. You, you know what I mean? No. not, not You watch these yeah, plays and- when you're at the game, Kevin. You see the reactions. You see the team react not on camera. You know what I'm saying? Right.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I am still in... You know, I'm pegged, and it, it is what it is. But I'm pegged as being a really good, um, positive Bills fan um, at heart. And throughout my time reporting and being on the field and learning a little bit more about the team and how things run, it hasn't deviated me so much to seeing the glass half full. Um, and that you know might you know you know kind of hurt my expectations when I'm telling you things and you're like, oh well, you know, when I listen to Kevin, I know he's going to give me some positive rub and. Uh, I like listening to that, but you know, I, I really want the realistic view. I was on the field. I've been down there. I've talked to players. I've been in front of players. Um, I've gotten to be in press conference. I've gotten to talk to other reporters. This team is as deep as I've seen this team in many, many, many years. Now, as I've said a couple times on this podcast, Dave, they are missing some top-end talent that should take them to the playoffs and beyond. But it is a deep enough roster, uh, especially if they don't go through an injury problem, which to me, to date— Beside a little bit of Cordy Glenn weirdness, the team has not been hurt. Um you have a little thing with Sharice Ray, you have a little thing with uh Jordan Matthews, none of which the team seems concerned about. Um Kevon, Kevon Seymour was out for a little bit. The team has not look around the league, like the Dolphins and the Ravens got bit terribly hard up with the injury bug this year, you know, as bad as we used to get. Right now the team's fully healthy. Um I don't care. I think they, they went through camp without a major injury. Um, those are big, 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 big wins. Uh, camp and one preseason game without major injuries. Those are big, 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 big wins. Um, the team, if they can stay semi healthy to semi healthy, like the Vikings teams, that usually do, like the Bengals usually do. Um, this is a deep enough roster to make the playoffs and, and kind of end that. And you know, you kind of get people to buy in a little bit more. If they were just able to go ten and six and then even one it out, um, people would buy into the system. And then with all those assets, um, you would only have like extreme optimism going into next year. But I, I this roster is good. Um, the, the offensive lines rank top five. I just read an article yesterday that uh, a, lot of, a lot of P. Ross Tucker uh, ranked the Bills in the top five offensive line groups. So you have that. You have a top five running back. You have an above-average quarterback. You have a wide receiving core that's sufficient. Um, you have a tight end that's sufficient. And you have a defense that's going to be in the top ten. I, I, there's Everything I see with the defense is going to be good. The scheme is is, is well-suited for all their players. Um, you have a pass rush. You have an outside linebacker, Lorenzo Alexander, who can come after it. You have good enough corners, you have good enough starting safeties if you know obviously things can change with injuries um, but that's that's kind of just where I'm at, and you know I want to ask you dave with with all that being said, who was your you know looking at you know Chris Brown, I should know, who's you know one of my favorite writers, and I know once again he works for the bills, and uh, he, he looks at things in a positive lens like I tend to do, um, however, he's a very realistic writer. Um, and he he hustles really hard. He's a really good, he's active on the sidelines. I, I got to watch him and he's active in press conferences. Um, I, I don't really care. I, I think he's one of my favorites to date. I will um, you know, kind of kind okay. of someone I look up to. Um, but he just came up with his training camp awards, Dave. And what I meant to ask you is, you know, he came out with his MVP, his most improved player, his most consistent player, most valuable newcomer, most promising player, most encouraging comeback story, most impressive rookie, most surprising player most inspirational player and best hustling player. Um, So I wanted to know, you know, before we sign off here today, I wanted to know if you wanted to kind of do this real quick.
0: Yeah. um, Do you want to just go right down the list? Yeah, let's do it. So MVP,
1: MVP, Chris picked LaShawn McCoy. Um, Who's your MVP, Dave, of camp?
0: Can I just go agree or disagree and maybe suggest somebody else? Sure. not to uh, be, but- not to ease out of this. Um, yeah, that's no, that's fine. And and a little note to piggyback on what you're saying though, real quick about Chris Brown, um, it's really been rad to be behind the scenes to watch guys who've been around the game like Vic Carucci, right? Who who or uh, see how he works. I, John Murphy came and sat down next to me and, and had a pleasant conversation with me about music. His kid plays drums and does music. That's awesome, you know. Um, so it's been cool to see how people work. What's cool about Chris Brown is I don't know what he does or doesn't have for assistance, but I know other people have like a whole team of guys that go, let's go get the scoop. Chris Brown just like works, puts his head down. He's pleasant. Um, He's a real person. You know, when he talks, he's a real human. He's not like some phony person. And honestly, for being uh, somebody who works for the team, he really says some things that I think he's one of the most objective people there is.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, he, just because he works for the team, he does get painted as a uh, positive and only gives you the, the 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 bright side of the story. But I I see a lot of neutral ground with Chris. He does track a little positive, but I appreciate that uh, he has to a little bit, and uh, um, he's one of my favorites. And I, I, I the big thing for me, um. He puts in the work. I, I watch him put in the work. I watch him you know, do his job as well as anyone, He and he really is deserving of where he is today. So and, I do really appreciate that.
0: And camp ended four hours ago when he's got this article up 29 yeah, minutes him. ago. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So yeah. um, so most valuable player, you said LaShawn McCoy, is what uh, Chris Brown said. I would yep. agree because LaShawn McCoy has been the most consistent player. I ain't even worried about LaShawn. LaShawn, do your thing, do your working out, because LaShawn, I was having this conversation with um, my friend named Clinton, who's going to come on the podcast, um, okay. he's actually a Starbucks employee, I see him every day, but he's an Eagles nice. fan, I actually had him on my Instagram, he works at Red Wing Stadium as well, at Frontier Field, so um, right. he's a cool dude, and he's obviously an Eagles fan, and I was like, dude, man, LaShawn is just on a different level, he is straight up works his ass off he comes into camp you ain't got to worry about him he figures his way in and out he is an all pro on a different level where you can't just talk to that guy and and he you know what i mean it's almost like being around like on a minor scale you know the most elite you know not, not necessarily michael jordan but definitely you know a top three running back in my mind in the league i think he's better than ezekiel elliott he didn't have nearly as many carries and and it's like Whatever we don't got to get into that, but um, I'm just saying LaShawn McCoy is just consistent in the right spot at the right time, and he, he, Shelvum he's gonna be ready day one. I don't want to see him taking one rep in camp. Yeah, I think you pre-season. I think you play him
1: and you play him in the third preseason game for a little bit, and that's it. Yeah, I, I rest him um, the other three out of four games. So um,
0: I've seen so many people fall on their face at camp trying to even in shorts.
1: Yeah, and Micah Hyde was on today. Um, um, Uh, John Murphy show and basically said we appreciate Sean McDermott uh, being running a team and player friendly camp and you can kind of see that uh, with the lack of injuries to date so let's just let's just pray that that keeps up you know 50 percent of the preseason is already over even though there's three preseason games left Um, a lot of the hard 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 work is done and um, these players really are only going to tax themselves for a quarter of preseason football. So um, we're in good shape in the injury front. A lot of those non-contact injuries would have already happened to me. And when I talk to doctors, and everyone's like, "Oh, how do you know, Kevin? Are you a doctor?" I've just I find a really, really interest in the medical field, and I have a lot of close friends in different uh, facets of the medical industry, and I talk to them all the time about sports injuries and. Um, those non contact injuries would have happened by now if they're going to happen. So, contact injuries can always still happen concussions, broken bones, um, things like that. Um, really fluky ACL tears could happen, but those non contact injuries are pretty much already said and done so far. So, um, someone's muscle is going to go, it's going to already go. So, um, for this year, I, I think you're out of the woods minus a bad contact injury. So, um, with that being said, MVP, LaShawn McCoy, I'd agree. I, he just, phenomenal. This team rides him. He could be the sole purpose that they could break the the uh, drought either this year or next year or as long as he's on this roster. So um going into most improved player um who's your most improved you want me to read you Chris's or do you want to give him well, yours, Dave?
0: Chris Brown is Jonathan Williams. Yep. Uh, running back. You could say that um, I would and then he has honorable mention Logan Thomas. For me, I think for You know, I expected this out of Jonathan Williams. I'm sorry. I I don't, I didn't think he sucked ever. The kid was injured his senior year of ball. And the year prior, he would have been a second round pick in a draft that they didn't take running backs, really. They were still on this low. We don't take running backs, high thing, you know, until his draft. So it's like, you know, during that dry run of running backs, he would have been a second round draft pick, meaning that could be a bottom first round pick now right so what did he just forget how to play football did all that potential running behind big dudes in southern football like the, did that just go away no he didn't forget how to play football but when you're also running primarily one style of offense versus a multiple style run game like Greg Roman ran it's also a lot easier to learn right if you're not learning as much so, if you're in a zone scheme, it's, he knows what to expect most of the time, right? And he's already done power football, so if they want to mix it up, you can do it. I just think he's, again, year one to year two. To me, it's like a duh with Jonathan Williams. Like, I expect him to be better. Good. Okay, cool. Um, Logan Thomas and Eddie Yarborough, I think, are the ones that should be neck and neck for that. For most improved player, because those guys are both very controllable players. You don't know what the hell you're getting in those guys when you're bringing them. No, Logan Thomas, oh, he played quarterback. Oh, he's transitioning. Oh, cool. Well, I've been duped before with measurables. Let's see if this kid freaking shows up. Well, that said, Logan Thomas is a very smart player, and he knows where to be. He was obviously a quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, Taylor's backup at Virginia Tech. Um, and then you look at Eddie Yarbrough, who's a third-teamer, and now he's getting like rotational snaps with the ones. That's a pretty dope story to me. And um, that's a guy where, shoot, he sat out. He got to learn a lot. Right. I'd, I'd rather yeah. have that guy around than other people.
1: And for me, I'll, I'll jump in and uh, share that sentiment with a lot of that. Um, Ramon Humber has to be one of the most improved players to me. Someone not even talked about. But to hold that weak side linebacker spot from a couple of talented young rookies and um, Gerald Hodges behind him, um, he's improved significantly a lot since the days with rob ryan um not only in the bills last year but in his days in new orleans um ramon humber's played well he's improved from what i thought of him as a special teamer similar to lorenzo was last year ramon humber to me is the most improved player to be able to hold on to that starting job to never lose it to be recognized by this new coaching staff um i think you had to develop a lot in your career to be able to get to that point to being a you know a fringe starter to a special team or back to being a starter with a whole new team and, and roster. Um, to be able to be in that starting lineup in, in this type of defense, most improved player to me to be able to 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 win that and be consistent. So, um, Speaking of consistency, leads us into our next section. most consistent. Chris gave it to Rod Streeter with honorable mention, Stephen Hauschka. Uh, Dave, take us kick us off here. Yes, no. Um, I
0: else. think the, I think a lot of these categories are honestly interchangeable because after most sure. inconsistent, you have most valuable or most consistent, most valuable newcomer, which is and Kwan Bolden. Um, and honorable mention of Leonard Johnson. Um, because to me, even right off the bat, I thought first day. I mean, not to be stupid here. I mean, he only had limited reps, but I would say most consistent. Also, a newcomer would be Anquan Bolden. I would almost put Rod Streeter on a list of maybe another honorable mention of most improved because we didn't know what to expect from him. Right. Um, right. Because a lot of these guys have similar stories. I mean, again, look, I I mention it all the time. Look at Hankerson last year. You know, he seemed like he's a big guy, seemed like he was balling, but he had some key drops. Ah, they might not read too deep into those drops. No, they did. They caught him. Um, most, Most consistent, shoot. Tolbert calls him House Money. Stephen Hauschka, like, come on, House Money, and that's it, you know. So, um, obviously, a duh with Stephen Hauschka. That's what we expected, which is great, especially in different area of the globe. So, um, man, and and i what's that?
1: I know I, I, no, I agree with Stephen Hauschka. He was going to be one of my top, but I'm going to go with Richie Incognito. I mean, just always consistent. You know what you're going to get with him being a team leader um giving every 110 percent every single day um being a solid as good as any garden game right now
0: that um, guy is ri- so fucking massive richie incognito he's- is so fucking big dude like yep. he like walked by me today camp I was like the camp just happened to me. i mean i'm like fuck man i don't want to be right here dude they're like walking right by. he's like let's get out of here for, for a while they're giving for away it. free shit i'm like yes <laughs> God, this is over and
1: richie richie's a big supporter of the uh Locked on Bill's podcast by Cover One. So, um
0: That's really cool, man. A, I see that all the time.
1: Yeah, he intros us now. And uh anyways, regardless of that, Richie is definitely
0: uh, my best Way to a way player. A humble brag, Kevin. Yeah, you know. <laughs> no big <laughs> no, deal. No, that, was po- that was post my decision, Dave. That was
1: post and, my decision.
0: Don't worry, man. Just me and Cakes just fuck shit up, dude. He just does intros for me, man. Like, don't yeah. worry, bro. Like yeah, I know. You know, we're, we're tight. We email. We, right. <laughs> but you're
1: really real quickly on this briefly you're right on the rod streeter case where every year we have a receiver that's consistent and that doesn't necessarily mean anything but Yo, i uh, think bring back marcus easily as far as i think, enough, concern, I think he makes the squad he makes the squad
0: can we put marcus Easley in there i still want to see marcus Easley start a goddamn football game like that's all i want we, to see he was he was yeah, Don't He's rip on Marcus, man. I got a sore spot for that fourth okay. round pick right. same year, two thousand. Talk about a
1: guy who, who, if nothing else, we won't rip on him. He can't stay healthy.
0: Oh, um, poor guy. He has the worst luck, dude. Yeah, he does.
1: Most valuable newcomer, like you said, could be Stephen Hauschka. could be Anquan Boldin, Leonard Johnson. Um, I don't know how it's not Trey I'm White. I'm calling it now. Does that
0: count? I'm calling it now. No, it don't count. He ain't that valuable. Okay. He ain't that valuable, dude. I ain't putting any stock in the cornerbacks. If this zone no? team is a, supposed to be like a little bit easier, let's put a fake percentage, right? Yeah, On but he has a lot in his shoulders after the Derby trade, though. Whatever, I dude. Mean, Too bad. Sean McDermott, if they did, if him and Brandon okay. Bean did not learn from the Carolina corner situation, then I have to trust that, well, no, this is different. You know what I mean? I have to trust that. I I don't know what, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I don't know. I think it's asinine, but... It is what it is. If they think Trey White's that good, I got to trust them on it. That said, what if they just go wait? These front four are so monstrous. Lorenzo Alexander ain't no dumbass. He's going to be in the right spot. Preston Brown is uh, the coach's son, as I love to call him. You know, that's the coach's son out there, 52. And we already talked about the other linebacker who's consistent all the camp. Consistent. Held on to that spot. You know what I mean? Like... Come on. It, it's, All right, fair, so fair and, enough, Dave. So then you got the two safeties who seem smart. So now your weakness on defense, you might be able to argue right now is your corners, which very is very, very important. But if you got guys who can get there and disrupt shit, then I think you're cool. At the same time, I don't disagree with you.
1: Okay. I think he's been very good from day one, day one of coming into Buffalo. Um I don't think you can take anything away just because of what scheme and who their coach is. The guy's been good. Um, He needs to step up even more now without uh, Ronald Darby. He's going to be my most valuable newcomer in my mind. And Moving on to most promising player, um, Chris gives it to Gerald Hodges. I see where he's coming from. I don't know how you can't go with uh, Shaq Lawson. Like Most promising player, he's back and healthy. This is really his second year, but really year one and a half. He's been great. He looks leaner. He looks in phenomenal shape. He's getting after it. He is by far my most promising player. I don't know how he wouldn't be, but
0: Dave. Okay. I think uh, you're going to think I'm nuts here. Maybe I'm overhyping this. I think Anquan Volden's is going to be the most promising player. Maybe. Wow. Like most going promising, to be. huh? Yes, because wow. you can't be. I'm telling you, man, I've been rooting for these vets my whole life. I've been rooting for these vets my whole life because it makes no sense to get a younger guy other than money, which I understand is a big deal, um, like it makes no sense to get a younger guy who is very new to even just living the life of a professional athlete and thinking that he has a lot more potential to get his shit together than a veteran who's just bounced around, man. I mean, I honestly think that once Ancon Bolden showed up, like shit got real. I, you know what I mean? Like shit got real in that building. For, for the receivers and now that Sammy's gone, shit definitely got real. I expect this team to be coming out the gate hot, and I'm telling you right now, Anquan Bolden, we don't gotta necessarily say if healthy like the other receiver. Okay, Anquan Bolden will make Tyrod Taylor this year. Okay, I, I really think I so. Mean, I really think so. He will make Ty. He will make Tyrod Taylor. They're gonna throw to the tight ends, if man. If he does like, that and
1: helps Dave Jones, he did his job, Dave. So
0: um, it, it helps Dave Jones help everybody you know what I mean help everybody this is Anquan Bolden's opportunity to be a fucking hero man this is his opportunity to really earn the key to the goddamn city if this dude's just catching balls over the middle and just running through people you know what I mean like if he is Andre Reed 2.0 It's fucking over, man. And if he's in the right spot at the right time, Tyrod Taylor will throw it to him. I talk to people all the time, and I think the most consistent thing I could ever say about Tyrod Taylor, about his inconsistencies over the middle, is that if he has people he trusts, he will throw them the ball. That is not a problem. I think a big underrated guy who's in the right spot at the right time for a lot of shit, believe it or not, was Marquise Goodwin, because he did not drop a ton of balls last year. He got out with a concussion. I know it's typical Marquise, injured, injured, injured. But it, 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 for a concussion, I can't get mad. You know what I mean? It ain't like a hamstring where these guys are dehydrated. So um, I just think if he has a rapport with people, he's going to be fine.
1: Okay, fair enough. Uh, most encouraging comeback. Really only two options I can think of. Eric Woods, Jordan Poyer. I would, uh, before reading Chris Brown, he gave it to Eric Wood. I would have. He's always consistent. I, I wasn't really needing to see a comeback from him. Um, I was going to give it to Jordan Poyer. Guy's been good. Um, no, he's been in the right spots. He seems healthy, um, to make, take that, uh, lacerated kidney and be able to still start in the NFL the following year and be able to start and be efficient so far. I'm going to give it to Jordan, Jordan Poyer. Do you have any thoughts on comeback player or no, um, it was really going to be Sammy Watkins, but with you him know,
0: gone. You know who I'm really proud of, even though he didn't have a good game, is Santro uh, Henderson. Okay. Because yep, he'd be one. Um, I was talking he'd be with, one. Yeah, I was talking with him, and um, the first time I was at camp, and I was just like, Franklin, I was like, dude, man, I have a friend who is Crohn's. Like, I talked on this podcast before, and it was cool to finally talk to him about it. And I go, I have a friend who has Crohn's, and you know I understand the, you know that it's got to be hard to take in different foods and yada yada. And it's like, it's hard to keep on weight when you're eating so clean. And and that was like a big conversation that that I had with him. And it's like, man, he hasn't taken reps in so long, in so long. Right. And I'm sorry, but w- he was a promising player. I thought he was a very promising player. I thought he had a lot of potential. Even Eric Turner and I were talking last. Last season, Eric said, he goes, dude, I think he's going to beat out Jordan Mills at the right tackle spot eventually in the middle of the season. And then, you know, right. Um,
1: yeah. Sean, Chantrell does deserving of this category to be able to take first team reps off of that nasty um, experience he had with his uh, condition. Um, yeah, he's definitely, can, uh, you know, being able to take playing at his new weight, being left tackle for Cordy Glenn. Being he still has five games to serve in a suspension for his rehab of his uh, condition, but um, give it to him. I mean, you got to give it to him. He's going to make the team um, and really play a role this year. So uh, he plays into that top five offensive line group. And yeah, he he struggled, but we'll see three more games. He is a he is a hot contestant for this position, and I think that's a good good another good person to give it to. Um, most impressive rookie. I mean. You got a bunch. You got a bunch to pick from, Dave. Um, you Who know, obviously went to White here for Chris Brown. I already used Tre'Davious White um, with my, you know, most valuable newcomer. So, I know, would say,
0: uh, I mean, you have to go Trey White. You know, okay. uh, I Fair mean, it, it, unfortunately for two categories, but uh, um, hmm. I don't know. I think uh, I think Zay Jones stood out to me right out the bat, right off the bat, because honestly, up until today, I've been watching Trey White. I haven't really watched Trey White because um, I just think that the cornerback position it's gonna it, it's I don't I didn't want to look at it too early and judge it because that's going to take time. I mean, look at what Ronald Darby did in preseason two, his first game, you know, as a as a rookie and. You can definitely tell route running off the bat and, and uh, a receiver if he can read the defense right, off, right out the gate. You know what right. I'm saying? So I was really more – honestly, I'd have to give it to Zay Jones. Uh, okay. I don't know if Shaq Lawson counts, but, you know, I don't think he gets enough credit either, by the way, because he came in probably not in the best shape. By the time he got into his first game and dude was productive and effective.
1: Okay. So yeah, I, mean, I think you're right. Yeah. I think it's got to go to Zay Jones. I would, I would agree with that. Um, you know, coming in with what's happened there. And I think you can say Zay Jones is most impressive rookie um, to me. Definitely. Um, I expected a little more out of white day one starter, but you know, Zay Jones to me has been the most impressive rookie. Another one I want to mention, this goes into most surprising player next. Um, Greg Mabin, the cornerback from Iowa, um, who's driven basically from the 8th or ninth cornerback on the roster to be getting first-team right cornerback snaps. Greg Mabin, the undrafted free agent, I think you need to mention in this discussion because most impressive rookie, you could play in the role of guy was undrafted. You weren't expecting it. You're expecting a little bit out of White. You're expecting a lot out of Zay Jones. Um, the expectations low so therefore it could rise him on the most impressive rookie rankings to me and that's you know greg mayman to me is so far been one of the most impressive rookies um and to be able to be in the first team by the second preseason game as an undrafted um you know 6-2 converted wide receiver from iowa was a third or fourth round pick prior to his hamstring injury played with desmond king in iowa um he's got the talent to make this roster as you know, our our backup cornerback. Um that's impressive to me to be able to do that so early on in camp and coming in June first too, I don't even think he had full OTAs. So that's another one. Most surprising player
0: That's one of those guys um, where you keep checking his number, you're like, who, Maven? Huh? Not a hey, we caught him. No. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, there's no why. Oh, okay. And a
1: B I N first, second and third team reps, he's in the mold of Annette Yarbro, Yarbrough who Chris gave his most surprising player to. I I, I can't disagree with that. I don't think you – how about you, Dave?
0: Uh, honestly, man, it's so fucking early. Excuse my French. But it's like, dude, I'm having – I'm sorry, man. TJ Yates ruined it for me. Like, TJ, if you're listening, dude, no disrespect, man. I, I believe in you. Um, I know you just had a bad game. Shit happens. Um, but, like, I'm sure he's not listening. Like, who the hell do I think I am? But uh, it's like, man, just – I don't know what to expect. People could look at okay. the training camp all they want. How good did Trent Edwards look in camp? He looked good enough to beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick every single damn time. I you know, mean. he looked good enough to beat out a J.P. Lossman. He looked, you know, he's just a guy that shows up, brings his hard head to work, and he's the first one there last one to leave. But when the lights are on, he can't play football. And I don't know what to think because, you know, I'm even looking at that other running back they brought in, Jones, there. Uh, Taiwan Jones there and um not for nothing like I can't tell how good he is because to me he would have had a helmet to his chest you know what I'm saying but uh, right through the line like I don't know I, I can't tell without pads on it's really hard man and these guys have such limited reps and health is an issue I get it but I think these guys are having more soft tissue injuries because they're having less reps uh, physical reps you know I don't know um, no, okay fair enough so fair enough. um I don't know. That's about it, dude. I actually got to get going here. I'm going to be late for my appointment.
1: Yeah, yeah. I know you got to get going. Well, Dave, you know, sorry to run down these lists, but I thought oh, it would be good dude. to get on, it was get, on your, get on your cast and talk about some of this stuff. And uh, thanks again to everyone and for the support from, you know, non Bills fan to oh, locked oh, Bills.
0: Oh, analytically, not to cut you off. Uh, talk about the last 5 case you did real quick with Eric Turner.
1: Absolutely. Um, we have recorded two lockdown bills podcasts now I'm both doing extremely well for the lockdown network and just want to say you know we've gotten thousands of views on that and we really appreciate the listens and um we really appreciate the bills pr allowing dave and i and uh, a couple others to be at camp and cover this and have this kind of detail and data for you to be able to listen to so we really appreciate the bills um stepping up and uh, really giving a shot to to me and you to do this kind of thing um and hey, I'm really excited about the future of stuff. Locked on Bills, non Bills fan, um, Grandstand Sports Network wanted to get those all in there and uh, couldn't be happier with the way things have turned out for us, Dave.
0: Yeah, dude, we're very fortunate to be able to have the access we do. And uh, we were talking before the show, probably the hardest sport to ever get into to get on the field. And it's like when Eric told me that, uh, when we were working this out and this thing was getting worked out to get us on the field, I was like, Come on, man! Don't troll me, dude. I got a schedule to make for work. I can't. You're right. You know, I, I have, said the same thing. I gotta be pretend I'm big time regular clientele, which I really do, though. I have a small business, so it's like, go oh, like, like, dude, don't waste my time. Are you serious? No, we're dead serious. Come on, no way, really. I can ask questions. Lo and behold, I'm sitting next to John Murphy today.
1: Like what? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I asked. I asked real quickly. I asked Eric the same thing you did and said, "Hey, man, I got to drive an hour and forty-five to Rochester, uh, to Pitchford. And um, I'm going to be missing some stuff. I, I need to know if this is you know true. And we have passes. I'm not going to get there and be like, "Who are you?" But you know, everything went fairly smoothly. We got our feet wet. Um, got to talk to some media people. And what a great experience it was for all of us. And we appreciate the Bills' opportunity and continued opportunity and support for the Lockdown, the Cover One brand, Grandstand Sports. Who will be bringing action-packed, great news coming soon. Um, we have great people. We have Dave. We have myself. We have Eric Turner. We have Nate Gary from WGR. We have, um, you know, a great, grand packed crew um, who's given, who's been given the opportunity to do this. And as always, Dave, it's been great to be on.
0: Yeah, man. Thank you. And don't forget uh, Chad from Beyond the Blade podcast, also yes. with Grandstand and, and Sports and Chad Network from, uh, Beyond for...
1: the Blade, who is also in, into Grandstand Sports as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. So it's been it's been great. Um, don't forget PunchRunkSports.com, dot uh, com, one no, and also, if you're hearing this on grandstandsportsnetwork.com, keep tuning in. And, Kevin, thank you. Uh, Kevin Dick. Massari. Masseri. Masseri. Okay. Yep. Uh, back, Kevin Massari. Okay. Well, I guess that's it.